You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, Tuesday edition. That means it's time to get into your Twitter questions on this fine day. Matt Williamson at Williamson NFL and myself at BD Peacock on Twitter. That's where you tag us to get these questions in. We'll uh, go through some of the best questions here that we found over the course of the last week or so. Uh, there is some news before we dip into those Twitter questions. Matt, we have an official holdout. There are some uh, big names not yet in their respective camps, but I want to start with Jim Fossil, former NFL head coach that passed away from a heart attack. Sad story at the age of 71. And uh, I've got some audio from one of his famous speeches, which I just want to play really quick because it is uh, it's fantastic and is one of the greatest calls of all time. Here we go. So if you got the crosshairs, you got the, you got the laser, you put it right on my chest, I'll take full responsibility. I'm raising the stakes right now. If this is a poker game, I'm shoving my chips to the middle of the table. I'm raising the ante. Anybody wants in, get in. Anybody wants out, get out. Okay, this team is going to the playoffs. <laughs> I love that one. It's awesome. It's yeah. such a great. I always remember that anyone wants in, get in. Anybody wants out, get out. And that was a fantastic call because they won five straight games that year, oh, the year two thousand. Wow. After that, and went to the Super Bowl. So not only did they make the playoffs, they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Baltimore Ravens, one of the best defenses of all time. And and it, it sort of sent me down this rabbit hole Matt with uh, looking at Jim Fossil and looking at that season and that was because uh, so many people talk about oh you know the, uh, you don't need a great quarterback to win the Super Bowl look at teams like the 2000 Ravens and Trent Dilfer was a quarterback and won a Super Bowl um, and mm-hmm. you know people come up with those but that was maybe the worst quarterback Super Bowl of all time because uh, the 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 quarterback on the other side was Kerry Collins it was Kerry Collins versus Trent Dilfer in the Super Bowl that's not uh, a yeah, Hall of Famer wow. versus yeah. Hall of Famer there but uh I don't know. That quote always sticks out in the career of Jim Fossil. Really sad story that he passed away uh, at the young age of 71 from a heart attack. Yeah, a very successful career. My condolences to uh, everyone that he touched in football and outside of, including his son, Bones. He goes by Bones. He's one of the most successful special teams yeah. coaches of this generation, too. So he leaves a, a coaching legacy behind. Um, yeah, unfortunate for sure. But he was a heck of a coach. Has John Fossil... Because he was fired from the Rams staff, the, or is the he Rams still on the special Rams? teams coach for a while. Yeah. I'm not sure where he's at off the top of my head, but all those fake punts and I'd met him once or twice, and he's really outgoing, you know, well respected special teams coach too. Okay, he is now the special teams coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. That's where John. Okay, Fossil makes perfect. So. That makes sense. I'm saying he's not going to be unemployed long. Yeah, you yeah, know, he's a he's a really good coach. Um, and by all accounts, the whole family, all the fossils, John, Jim, really good people too. Yeah. That's a loss for sure. Yeah. Uh, here we go. It's holdout season, Matt. Aaron Rodgers officially, yeah. as of today, not at mandatory. There's all the stuff leading up OTAs, and you know, there's there's stuff that is not mandatory. It is now officially mandatory minicamp. Aaron Rodgers not with his teammates with the Green Bay Packers. Your thoughts? <laughs> it is the season now, I guess, for some holdouts and unfortunately some injuries. You know, there's going to be some people getting hurt here and there. Um, you know, some guys will probably be lost for the season. I know your Niners lost a backup offensive lineman this week too. I mean, so this is where you start to get some bad news. It's all been good news till now. 
I guess this isn't surprising for Rodgers, but I do think people need to realize the new CBA, they get fined for every day they're not at a mandatory event, and you can't just wash that off the books and pretend like it didn't happen like it used to. So this is counting. This is costing him money, so he's serious about it. Serious situation there, yeah. And I think the team can do some things and waive some of the fines, but uh, yeah, the, the, the CBA has some things in place that I think take that out of teams' hands. And so um, very interesting stuff there with Aaron Rodgers. This is going to continue into the summer. Yeah, you mentioned the 49ers, who were the most injured team maybe of all time last year. Such a bad <laughs> season for them injury-wise. And uh, Tarvarius Moore, Achilles, Justin Schools, a backup offensive tackle. But both those guys have been starting because the guys – that were uh, the starters at those positions haven't been practicing either in Jaquaski Tart and um, and Trent Williams. So <laughs> those guys are lost for the season. Achilles and ACL respectively. Another injured player who's not or was who's been injured for a while, but not apparently ready to go yet is Saquon Barkley. Are you worried about Saquon Barkley not fully participating yet? A little, because he got he got injured in like week two or maybe even week one. I mean, it was early, early in the season, and I thought by now he'd be fine. It is only mini camp, so I mean he's a star. They're not going to push him in there if he's not 100 percent ready. But we'll keep an eye on it. You know, sometimes I think a lot of us, including myself, just think, oh, you know, they'll be fine. I mean, it's not my ACL or my <laughs> right. Achilles. You know what I mean? Like, ah, oh, they'll be fine. They'll be soon back to the player we always expected. But it's not always the case. Yeah, the same. I I fall into that same. It, the doctor says, however many weeks it is, that's how many weeks they're going to be back, and everyone seems to get back <laughs> right. early now too. Like nothing ever happened, right. right? Yeah, and these are massive, massive injuries. So I know the science and the the medical stuff has come a long way, but uh, it's not that easy for someone who's solely based on uh, athleticism. It's a big part of the running back position. It's it's why it's so difficult for running backs to play deep in their careers because young legs. Uh, are are better than old legs when it comes sure. to being athletic. And so Saquon Barkley, one of the most athletic dudes in the league. So we'll see how that goes. And that's definitely worth tracking as you look at your fantasy drafts this summer because he is a high first-round pick in most leagues. Yeah, without question. So just something to throw out there. I mean, he's not out of the woods yet. Juwan James, speaking of someone who's been injured, hasn't played in a while, has signed, I believe it's a two-year contract with the Baltimore Ravens, although he's not yet on the field either. No, he's another one that got injured off the field, and so that allowed Denver to release him without problems. You know, like, um, that's one of the kind of loopholes in the CBA as well. I mean, if you're not at a team activity, um, they can move on from you. It's kind of like a breach of contract situation. I I found that one interesting because he's a pure right tackle, and he may not even play this whole year, but he's going to be out for a while. I think it's a two-year deal up to, like, $9 So it's real money. It's not just we'll take a flyer on the guy. Um, because I bring this up because they signed Villanueva from the Steelers, who is nothing like James. James is much more of a physical, thicker, true right tackle type. Villanueva is better in protection on his best day. He's never been a masher in the run game, and he's never really played right tackle. So, you know, I mean, I, I thought it was an odd fit for Villanueva, and James makes more sense for the style of player they're looking for. They want a lot of beef and downhill guys, as you can imagine, for that run game. And then speaking of the run game, they gave uh, Gus Edwards a two-year extension today, too. I think he's another easy guy to kind of brush off like, yeah, he's a dime a dozen. I think they really like Gus Edwards. He's a really good compliment to Dobbins. It's one of those situations where believe what the team does more so than believe what the team says. And if they're paying a guy like Gus Edwards and we've seen 
him with multiple uh, members of the backfield and multiple iterations of that backfield earn a ton of carries and a ton of touches. And so there's no reason to expect that he won't cut into J.K. Dobbins' workload this year again. Yeah, I mean, he's a downhill pounder, not super dynamic, but he's got a little bit better feet than you'd probably give him credit for. Um, you got to remember Mark Ingram's out of the equation. They run the ball so much, and plus we have an extra game this year. I would think he gets plenty of touches this year. I mean, I still think Dobbins is a fantasy target and is a very much a rapidly ascending player, but Edwards has a role, and is, that's not going away. One more quick note here before we get to those Twitter questions is you wonder how the Tennessee Titans can fit Julio Jones' $15 million salary under their cap when they only had 2 or $3 million in cap space, maybe? Well, one of those is by restructuring Ryan Tannehill's contract. And you think that was an easy conversation before they made that trade, and they called up Ryan and said, hey, we might trade for Julio Jones. You think we could tweak your your contract a little bit? And he's like, yes, sir, please do. <laughs> so uh, especially yesterday, we went through their wide receiver core, and it's not a strong group outside of Julio and A.J. Brown. So uh, Ryan Tannehill, that process begins some restructuring there. And uh, as we know, salary cap can be manipulated. So they will get Julio Jones contract under that cap for the 2021 season. It shouldn't surprise anybody, but it just affirms that they're very happy with Tannehill. They don't, they're not searching for his replacement. You know, I know he's not a young guy, but they're very content with him. They think they can win with them. You know, that the money talks, but how about this comment? I mean, you, you mentioned that conversation, I'm sure it went something like this, like, hey, Ryan, you know, this is the owner of the Titans. How you doing? So this is what we're thinking. Are you cool with it or not? We would like to give you a huge check right now, and you won't get paid much during the year. You, we're going to drop your, your salary down quite a bit, but we're going to give you a huge check right now and, ex, you know, extend that bonus that you're going to get a big lump today in the mail, boom. And for the next couple of years, as we you know, extend your contract and restructure you, so you can throw to Julio Jones. Are you cool with that, Ryan? Like, okay, that sounds good. Thanks. Yeah, that sounds just fine. <laughs> Father's Day yeah. is going to be real nice with that uh, direct deposit hitting. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's a good day in the Tannehill household. Absolutely. All right. Uh, stock up for the Tennessee Titans. We'll see how that all works out with Julio Jones. Now let's get to your Twitter questions next. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Convenient self-service at RockAuto.com where you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, jumper cables, even new carpet for your classic cars, your daily driver. Get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer, and best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers alike. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Bet online is the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action baseball season in full swing. You can track all of that all summer long. So many games to bet on, putting together some parlays I like to do with baseball games. Uh, makes for a fun 
evening of ball. You get a, an early game, a late game, maybe a, an over-under in there somewhere. There's a UFC, MMA action, obviously, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, some goofy celebrity boxing matches. <laughs> of course, you can get on that action as well. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online. Use your laptop, mobile device, whatever you want to check out all the great sporting news and sign-up bonuses with contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Head over to BetOnline.ag. Get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code LOCKEDON. That's promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Matt, let's start with Nick on Twitter, who's wondering if the smart teams in the NFL might be zagging when other teams are zigging. He says, are teams starting to go back to the running game as their primary focus? Running backs are back in the first round routinely. Top teams are focusing on run to create the passing game openings. Uh, I have a couple. Thank you for the question, Nick. I have a couple thoughts there. Yes, the league is starting to pass more, but almost everything team still wants to run the ball and and at least they talk about wanting to run the ball and yes second contracts are fewer and far between for running backs and there are still playmaking running backs being drafted in the first round maybe not as high but you know still there's still plenty of teams that value it and I think it makes your offense better and harder to defend if you can do everything and it doesn't mean that you're just going to run the ball and forget about the pass, but you always want to be able to do everything so that makes things difficult on the defense and you can uh, makes it easy for you to pass when you can run the ball well. It, you need to be able to do a little bit of everything, and I think there's always going to be some balance in the NFL, and the lighter the defenses are in the box, the easier it is for teams to run, so some teams definitely will want to keep that power aspect of their team because they can keep moving the chains and, and help them win football games. So I the league is changing, but it's not. I think it's more how they focus on the running game than the running game going away. Exactly, and you said a lot of good things there, and I agree with all of it. I mean, the analytics folks, which I 100% agree with, I'm not saying they don't know what you're talking about, will tell you passing the ball is more efficient than running the football, and that's 100% true. And I think the NFL is very happy about that. And you know, we're not seeing holding penalties or. Um, we're seeing more pass interferences. I mean, the, the league wants the ball in the air and there's a tremendous group of receivers at all positions in the league right now. So that's what the league wants and it's working. That doesn't mean there isn't a place for the running game though, without question. I mean, with closing teams out, bad weather, wind, your quarterback gets hurt. I mean, as good as a quarterback play is in the league, the backups are collectively still rather stinky. I mean, you have to have a running game if you have a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback, let alone a backup in there. And it's all about just the defense not having answers, you know, always putting the defense in conflict. You know, I always talk about George Kittle and Gronk's the best example of, well, if you play base against Gronk, he's just going to split out wide and get a linebacker. If you play nickel, he's going to come in line and hammer some safety. And, you know, so uh, you have to be able to attack defenses different ways. And you mentioned one of my dor- dorky spreadsheets yesterday. Just as a, as a side note, and we could probably get to these defensive per- you know, personnel groupings this week or whatever, but, I mean, f- 14% of the snaps – in the NFL last year were dime personnel for defense. So just think about that. There's six defensive backs on the field. 
there aren't many 300 pounders, no matter how you slice it. There's probably six defensive backs, a linebacker, you know, and four D linemen, maybe two of them are 300 pounders and you have five 300 pounders plus a ball carrier, plus a tight end, you know, you need to be able to run in those situations and even take it a step further. I mean, a team like new England, they were at like 19% on defense of what I call other, not base, nickel, or dime. And for them, that was like seven defensive backs. So if you can't run against the Patriots, you got problems. I mean, uh, I, I, the last note here is we often talk about the value of running backs. I mean, should you resign them? Should you take them the first round? All those things. The running backs matter. All these you know, catchy phrases. Trust me, when you're in Baltimore and it's early in the fourth quarter and you have a 17 to 14 lead and it's blustery and you need to close out the birdies, you better have a running back. And to be honest with you, it's not that different of an idea from even going back to say Bill Walsh's 49ers, because some people thought of them as a finesse sort of team because of how well orchestrated it was, but they were physical and they ran to win games late, passed for points early. And I think that's ideally the way teams yeah. want to do this. But you've got to be able to close out games. You've got to be able to win in a number of different ways. And you've got to be able to win matchups. So um, that's and, and it's funny because I think the NFC West, as good as that division is, Shanahan loves to run the ball. Pete Carroll loves to run the ball. They have bigger, especially the the Seahawks have really big offensive and defensive linemen, and so you have to sort of compete against what the teams you're competing against are doing because if they can beat you up, then you're going to get beat. Uh, if and, and if you have to match up with speed, then you have to do that too, and then you've got the Arizona Cardinals who are spreading it out completely, so you've got to be able to do just about everything against teams in the NFC West. That's a very fascinating division because of how different, say, Cliff Kingsbury and someone like Pete Carroll runs a team. You know, take it a step further. You mentioned Shanahan. I mean, the hottest offense in the league right now, the the offense owners are hiring to run their team are these Shanahan-based offenses, which are the foundation is a running game. It's not all based on the running game, but the, the foundation is a running game. Look at what we think is the you know, two of the the, the the two best coaches in the league probably are Belichick and Andy Reid. You know, you talked about throwing to set up the pass. Since Mahomes and Reed have been together, they run the ball 10, 11, 12 times in the first half. You know, I mean, they throw like crazy early in the game, and then they get a big lead and they run the football. You know, and then I mentioned Belichick. What did Belichick do this offseason? He invested in offensive linemen and tight ends. He invested in guys that are 250 pounds or more on offense, and he's going to play big, heavy personnel, and they have a fullback, you know, like – it's not going away, and it never will. That's a good segue into this question from Dave. He says, do you think Bill Belichick gets too much benefit of the doubt for his GM work? What if Bill O'Brien traded uh, for Sanu for a second-round pick and then gave Aguilar <laughs> and Bourne loads of money? Um, I, I So there's two things with Belichick's GM skills. I don't know. It's hard because they keep it close to the vest there, and I know uh, they just lost – a GM to the Texans mentioning uh, the guy who's replacing Bill O'Brien there in Houston came from that Patriots front office. Lately they've been bad, but they were so good for so long. I mean, even forget about you steal that. That's a lot of luck stealing Tom Brady in the, in the sixth round. Like that's right. Just right, right. a generational thing that doesn't happen. But you talk about Gronk um, Chandler Jones, finding really good players 
they're always drafting either late in the first round or drafting really good players later, moving back a lot of second, third round picks, drafting players that got huge money elsewhere, letting them walk and then replacing them with new, young, cheaper uh, players that were also really good. They did that for 20 years, practically. The last few years, though, they did get a lot worse. Uh, there were some dubious signings, I think, this offseason, but it was definitely them saying, look, we got to win now. Let's bring in some people that we believe can quote unquote do their job more so than bringing in superstars. Mm-hmm. They're 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 trying to win some games and Bill Belichick did not like going seven and nine last year. I think it was a fantastic job of coaching by him to even get to seven and nine with the roster that they ended up with. But yeah, they got to do a little bit better job in the front office because that's been a big part of why that roster was in such bad shape and they had to sign so many guys this offseason because they hadn't drafted well recently, but they did so well for so long. You can't discount that either for Bill. No, no. Uh, the short answer to this question is yes. I think Bill, the GM, gets a little overrated and gets a pass, mostly because Bill, the coach, makes up for Bill, the GM. That being said, as you mentioned, they always pick at the end of every round. That's way, way harder. You know, like uh, we always talk about how most drafts have 15, 16 guys that are surefire first round picks, you know, any year they come out. Well, the Patriots never get that guy. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. pretty much for his whole tenure, they never get that guy. Um, he also has done a tremendous job of finding the right fits over the years. You know, we need a a fullback. You know, we what we talked about before. You know, we, we want a fullback that most teams can't use. We want a left-footed punter. We want a um, Slater, just a, a pure special teamer. You know, I mean things like that. And he obviously goes back to the well Rutgers Bama where where he really trusts a pipeline. That's all fine too, but I'm with you. I think a big reason they kind of had to spend at such a ridiculous rate this off season, because they haven't drafted well. And boy, look at the receivers is the the epitome of that. They're they're terrible in bringing in receivers. It's a draft and develop league. Uh, You can supplement that with free agency. The money's going up in free agency, but yeah, you got to get a quarterback you got to get a coach, and you have to draft pretty well. You can't just draft terribly. You don't have to be the most amazing team drafting because even good teams screw that up a lot. And, you know, hit rate is not great for the NFL draft, but you can't have zero draft, like zeros for your draft classes, entire draft classes in back-to-back years. And the Patriots were were pretty close to that. There's been some bad drafts recently for them. So we'll see if they turn that around and if those role players that maybe they gave too much money to – uh, can can put them back over the hump. But that's, uh, yeah, I think good point there that maybe he gets too much credit because his teams overachieve. But, I, I mean, it's, it's hard just to discount anything. It's like, are you going to say yeah. no to Bill Belichick? If Bill Belichick says, hey, I want to coach your sure. team and be the GM, are you going to say no? Uh, definitely not. No, of course. And, and But this person's right. He brought up Bill, Bryan, Bill O'Brien saying, Bill O'Brien – got that team, they won the division like four or five years in a row and were consistently in the playoffs without Deshaun Watson. And he makes some boneheaded moves, don't get me wrong, but we all were fast to just kill him for that and didn't you know, allow his the coaching jobs he did to, to kind of assuage that a little bit, where Belichick's obviously at a different, different level. But it, 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 there's 15 GMs slash coaches that would, if they would have made the moves Belichick has made in the last couple of years – we'd be killing them. It's yeah, or they, pace, or they know, would right. have been fired already. Right, right, yeah, right, right. But they didn't have the, the 15, 20 years before that of success to, to have that job security. 
Uh, one thing I will say about Bill O'Brien too, and, and I think you see this a lot, and this is why if I was an owner, I would be a little bit worried to have one person with too much voice and too much power in a building because I, you almost got to workshop some ideas, right? Bill O'Brien has this idea. Somebody calls him and says, hey, here's uh, a second round pick and David Johnson for this wide receiver that you don't want to pay or something. And he says, okay, let's do it. You know, it's like, no, mm-hmm. you got to pause. You got to run that through ownership. You got to run that through some smart people, maybe a consultant from the outside, get some fresh ears on the situation. Um, the, the, when the 49ers traded up in March to pick number three, I think that was very much, you know, two guys in a room making that decision. I think they could have consulted more folks and we saw some quarterbacks fall down to where they were picking at 12. Like, did you need to go up to number three and give up multiple first round picks in future years? Um, and I'm sure Bill Belichick can run into some of that too, where you're just the guy, you don't need to run things by people. You make a move. And if you just would have thought about it for a second, you don't have to put it out on Twitter and ask the fans for their advice. But, um, I, I think having a few more voices, sometimes some voices of reasons and, and sleeping on some decisions can be good for an organization. You've got to have multiple smart people at the top, not just one guy, because if you're just waking up one day on a whim and making moves, you end up like Bill O'Brien. Yeah. And it's a good point on O'Brien, and his move seemed very hasty. Where it, it's a coach's mentality. I want Tunsil. I want this guy. You know, this guy. I want this right. guy. I don't care what the cost is. Draft picks don't matter to me. I want guys I can win with today. When someone has to say, "Hey, Bill, you know, you're giving up too much." I got right. no problem with you trading for Tunsil, but you're giving up too much. You can get him cheaper. You know, you got to play the game a little bit. And last note on the, the Patriots, and something was very obvious to me when I was scouting, is they treat their area scouts, and I assume it's the same way now, a little differently than most. I mean, they're really just data gatherers, and, and I'm not criticizing the men that uh, scout for the Patriots. I'm sure they do a wonderful job, but Bill's not as interested what they think of the player. Just give me all the data, tell me what he can do, and I'll pick the players. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's almost like your 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 scouts are almost private detectives. Go find out the background. Go find out how mm-hmm. hard this guy works. Give me all the dirt on the guy. We've got all the tape in the world. We'll tell you if he's a good player or not. We're not worried about your opinion there because you only get paid you know thirty thousand dollars a year. Where we're you know we want all the background we can from you, and and we're probably not putting too much stock into your write up about a player. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of the data entry guys, you know. Right. More questions here. We'll finish up this Twitter Tuesday. We've got some fantasy-related questions following the Julio Jones trade next. Got a new diet, trying to get back into shape, and something that always fits into any diet I'm trying to do can give me energy throughout the day, can be a little snack, can be a meal replacement if I need it to be, high in protein, low in sugar. That's the key. It's what you're looking for in a healthy snack, and you can find them at BuiltBar.com. High protein low sugar, low calorie snack you can feel good about and taste fantastic. No skimping on flavor when it comes to Built Bars. They're the best tasting protein bar on the market, but they are healthy too, which is exactly what I have a feeling you're looking for. And if you're not sure exactly which flavor to try or you haven't tried them all and you just want more flavors, build yourself a box of Built Bars or maybe find one of their limited edition flavors that can pop up at any time. Many bars have only 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs, even good for a keto diet. And best of all, you can save 15% using promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. Just go to BuiltBar.com, 
Use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Multiple questions, Matt, on the impact of this swap with Julio going from Atlanta to Tennessee. JDS says, how does Julio impact A.J. Brown for fantasy? And Christopher says, so after listening to Monday's pod about Ridley's fantasy stock, I'm wondering, does Jones leaving mean Ridley gets more targets, but then Ridley also gets more number one corners, maybe some double teams there too. So does that actually hurt his fantasy production? So what do you think there? Does does Julio help the other receiver more than he hurts him target-wise? Because now you know you're going to be doubling or you know your best corner is going to be on Calvin Ridley and you know you're going to have you know safeties rotating his way does that make life even more difficult for Ridley when he was getting plenty of targets as it is Uh, let's kind of lump AJ Brown and Ridley together because they're both young they're both great players they're ascending you know because Brown pre-trade had a really good chance to lead the league in targets now it feels like Ridley might lead the league in targets you know so but they both were either primed or now have to be the man, you know, the, and I'm not implying the member I mentioned Alvin Harper the other day. Like, I don't think either one's Alvin Harper to Michael Irvin or John Taylor to Jerry Rice. Mm-hmm. I think they're both ready to be the man, but it's easier said than done. But I feel like since I've been playing fantasy or since there've been analysts, you always, it's kind of a, a, a you hear both, you know, like, boy, AJ Brown's going to get all the targets in Tennessee He's number one, but the people don't like him say, well, now everyone's going to roll their coverage to him. Like both things are going to (laughs) happen. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I have more faith in Brown to be a true alpha than Ridley, but not by much. Ridley's a better separator. He's a better route runner. Brown makes plays with people on him and after the catch and he's hard to get to the ground. Uh, So I'm not dancing around the question. I think it's kind of a lot of these for fantasy come down to do you like the player or not? Do you look at it through the yeah. lens of, wow, Ridley's going to get a lot more targets now, which he probably will, or wow, Ridley's going to have a tougher time. I definitely think Brown will get fewer targets now. I think that goes without saying, but I think he's also probably going to be more efficient per target, if that makes sense. Yeah, more efficient, and maybe the offense is on the field more. Maybe that opens up a few more first downs for Derrick Henry, which means still more targets for Brown. Even though he's getting fewer targets per play, there's going to be more plays and a better offense, and so it sort of helps everybody. And you could see the opposite happening in Atlanta, where the offense is just not as good without Julio, and even though he's targeted almost all the time, uh, you know, there's not as many big plays. There's not as many opportunities. So that could, you know, dig into it. But I think clearly this trade helps Ridley more from a fantasy perspective and hurts Brown more. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. And it's a hard thing to calculate. And I'm glad it's not my job to do it. But to your point, we get Julio Jones. Uh, there'll be fewer people in the box on first and 10. Our time of possession goes up by... 80 seconds per game, which is a lot, you know, or a minute and a half or something like that. And therefore Brown gets 10 more targets than he would have. You know what I mean? Like you're on the field more to your point. And then you look at Atlanta and think, well, now are they a bad football team? Cause garbage time is real. I mean, they're not going to double Ridley consistently. If they're winning by 20, you know, you get more prevents, you're going to get easier completions and Ridley might get a ton of those this year. 
Let's finish up here. Got a fantasy question from Tony about the Chargers running back situation. I have a bad feeling about Eckler. Who would be the handcuff lottery ticket running back to for the Chargers offense? Hmm. I don't have a bad feel about Eckler. Uh, I think he's going to be Kamara in a a Saints-based offense with a good quarterback and a better line. I don't know that he'll be a high-touch guy, but I think he'll be a very valuable fantasy asset, especially in the PPR, of course. Great receiver. Um, I'm not positive, but I was very unimpressed with Kelly last year as a rookie, so I don't think it's him. I was just about to say that there's so little behind him that would worry me as an Austin Eckler owner that maybe, you know, just at the very, very end of the draft, if you're worried about it, they did draft a sixth rounder, Larry Roundtree this year, who I didn't love really either. Uh, Maybe you draft him just in case there's Justin Jackson there. You mentioned Joshua Kelly didn't do anything to impress last year. So, um, I mean, I I don't think that Eckler has any more, you know, I would be any more worried about Eckler than any other running back that you just are always worried about because the attrition level is very high. So, mm-hmm. um, and none of those other running backs on the Chargers roster are going to go high anyway. So, if you want a handcuff, you should be able to to find one of those guys: Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly, whatever. Maybe Roundtree, super late, or as a, a you know on your waiver wire, just sort of uh, on your watch list there. But uh, I, I love Eckler involved in both the running game and the passing game, and there's nobody that the Chargers are going to want to put on the field over him if he's healthy. So I don't see any problems with, with Eckler at all. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine Jackson is the closest version to Latavius Murray, just because I don't think Eckler's going to play every snap, you know, just because he's a, uh, he's a 15 to 20 touch a game guy, not a 25 touch a game guy, but you're hundred percent right. He's just way better than the guys you mentioned, but the three guys, the young size we mentioned, none of them are one Tenth, the receiver Eckler is. No. I mean, none of them can do what he does, or is or the same style of backs. Jackson, I'm, I'm looking up Jackson's numbers. I just want to see what his career numbers not bad. are looking like. Yeah, like you know, a, a, just a bigger running back as a as a number yeah. two change of pace guy can maybe take some of those uh, like short yardage rest. carries away. But that's fine because you want Eckler on the field on third downs more than anything. Yeah, yeah, and maybe it's too early to be that rough on Kelly because I kind of like them coming out of school, but. I thought he was highly unimpressive as a rookie, but a lot of the run- rookie running backs took a long time to get their feet under him. But I think Jackson's the best option. I would go with the rookie just because I'm not super impressed with the rest of the guys, and so give me the unknown lottery ticket if you're if you're looking for a cheap lottery ticket in that offense. Maybe Roundtree's the guy, but I don't know. Yeah, I think that offense would be pretty good though. Uh, it should be good, which should help whoever is the running back in there. Probably Eckler. Yep. All right. Uh, one guy. Uh, side note. Okay. Cool. Mike Williams, to me, never gets enough attention. I think Mike Williams is going to be on my fantasy team. You can get that guy super late. He's in a contract year. He's super talented. No one ever gives him any credit. I think he's a really good player. Yeah, with a good young quarterback. He yeah, makes big yeah. plays, scores touchdowns. Yeah. Keenan dirty. Allen's not getting any younger. Um, and uh, that's A lot a of good, motivation. That's a good call, actually. That's why you wait on wide receivers in your fantasy drafts early, because you can get a guy yep. like Mike Williams so late and just plug him in as a starter. Should put up huge numbers for you. And really, he, he hasn't really gotten credit. The draft. Yeah, he's a talented guy and hasn't gotten the credit for what he's done in his career. He's sort of been overshadowed by other players in his draft, by uh, other players on his football team. But he averaged 20 yards per catch in 2019 had a thousand yards and uh so as long as he's healthy and if he's out there for 17 games he's gonna put up big numbers yeah get him in the 11th round of your fantasy draft no i mean he just falls like crazy i'll take him he's gonna be on all my teams 
Love it. All right, we're out of time here. Thanks for all the questions, everybody. We will be back tomorrow breaking down everything going on in the NFL daily as we do here on Peacock and Williamson.